0: Uh, with worship. I, just, I appreciate that and just want to say thank you. We've got a great team. We're actually going to talk about that a little bit later. Uh, before I dive into the message, I also want to remind you that tonight, the AD series, how many of you guys have been watching that? All right. oh, the majority of you are. It's awesome. It continues tonight, and tonight the disciples are going to experience Pentecost. How many are interested to see how that's going to come oh, yeah. across? I'm excited. I've seen a little bit of preview, uh, seen a few things, but uh, it's going to be an exciting night. I encourage you to to dive in, make sure you're watching, and then find a group this week. Uh, There's still signups out in the lobby. There's still room in a few of those groups uh, for you to be a part of, and we wanted you to track with us in that way. All right. Well, this morning, we're actually going to return to our series in 1 Corinthians, Um, and I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, And we're going to look at verses 5 through verse 12. And we're going to be wrapping up our thoughts here over the next couple weeks uh, in 1 Corinthians. And at first glance, we're going to read this in just a second. We'll stand and read it here in a second. Uh, This particular passage, you might read it and not see a whole lot of blessing that comes out of it. But as we've dug, as we've looked into this, it's actually a very interesting passage that we're going to discuss this morning where Paul is telling us about his work for the Lord. And what I want you to see, if you've turned there before you stand, in 1 Corinthians 15, the uh, chapter right before, verse 58, there's a tie into what we're going to study today. I want you to look at that. It says, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves Fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor is in vain, or your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Excuse me. Fast forward to sixteen, verse ten. Look at this. He's talking about Timothy here. To see uh, if Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you. And we'll explain what all that means. For he is carrying on the work of the Lord. The work of the Lord, which back in verse fifty-eight says to commit yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. And then in verse 10 of chapter 16, just as I am. Paul, he was committed to the work that God had called him to. And today we're going to see, in fact, you can stand at this point, I want to, because we're going to honor God's word. We're going to see how to do God's work God's way. That you can't just show up and serve however you feel like it, there are some principles to follow when we are engaged in God's work. And so let's look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, let's look at it starting in verse 5. It says, After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay uh, on at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door of effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. If Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord, just as I am." If, or No one then should refuse to accept him. Send him on his way in peace so that he may return to me. I'm expecting him along with the other brothers. Verse 12. Now about the brother Apollos, I strongly urge him to go with you with the brothers. He was quite unwilling to go now, but he will go when he has the opportunity. How many of you look looking at this saying, what is pastor going to preach out of these verses, right? <laughs> Oh, just wait and see. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love and your grace. I pray that you just uh, be with us this morning, Uh, continue to minister, uh, continue to strengthen us, God, as we look at these verses. Uh, Lord, we thank you for that, and we give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. amen. You can be seated. Out of these few verses, there are seven effective keys to ministry. And by the way, let me just start, this message is for every single person here. We are all called into the ministry at one point or another, but the first key that you must have if you're going to be effective in God's work is you must have vision. And we know that as we've read through 1 Corinthians and we read through the New Testament, Paul was a person of vision. Paul was always thinking ahead. Look at it in verse 5. He says, After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia. Macedonia. So he was calling the shots. He had a vision of what was ahead. Now I want to pause here and give you some uh, history. We've uh, talked about this throughout the series, but Paul, he is putting, uh, he's giving this to the Corinthians. He's giving them notice that he was had uh, future plans to come to them and bring ministry. I want you to remember though that Paul is in Ephesus. When he is writing 1 Corinthians, he had been there for about three years. He's wrapping up his ministry in Ephesus. He had spent time in the synagogue, lecturing with the disciples. Some commentators say that he, he was faithfully, for five hours a day, six days a week, Spending time with the disciples, investing in them. There were miracles. There was somewhat of a revival going on in Ephesus. You say, how do you know there was revival? Uh, It's interesting as we're digging into it uh, this week, uh, and really before vacation for me, the the revival was seen because even in the, the church within Ephesus, they were burning scrolls from pagan gods that were equivalent to hundreds of thousands of dollars in today's dollars. They were throwing it away. It would would be like us having a ceremony, bringing all our worldly goods and burning them and burning valuable things. People were being saved. The church was growing. There was a great situation there, but Paul had vision beyond what was happening there in Ephesus. Think about it. Many people, though, uh, have... They never would have thought about leaving. And Paul is thinking about what's next beyond Ephesus. There was still more work to be done. He had a vision for Corinth, he had a vision for Macedonia. And the takeaway for us, I believe, is that we cannot afford to be blinded only by the urgent, the things that are right in front of us. We must have a look beyond. And today we're going to take some time to think about where are our plans? What, what is next for us? And Paul, throughout his writings, you will see his plans. You'll see the vision being unfolded, what needed to be done. Paul could see down the road. It was interesting, that as I was studying this, I ran across the story of William Carey, uh, a great missionary, a pioneer of modern missions. He was a cobbler. I mean, you may know the story. In, in England, he was working as a shoesmith, But right in front of him, every day, as he's working on shoes, was a huge map of the world. And the story goes is that as he would work on these shoes, he would weep over the world. His heart, his mind, he would pray, he would plan, he was strategizing about what was next for him. And then you may know that one day God hit the launch button on his life. And no longer was he a shoe cobbler. He landed in India. He opened India to the modern missions movement that we've seen incredible uh, uh, witness in India. The gospel. Every missionary that's serving in India today is thankful for the work that William Carey accomplished. Why did he do that? It was because of vision, vision for the future. And when the time was right. William Carey was ready. He was preparing, but he saw beyond what he was doing in that moment. The truth be told, in our lives, and even I would say probably even among us, there are a lot of people who do not have vision for their lives. And that's a, that's a sad thing to say. People sit around. It's the same old thing. They become comfortable Maybe they've mastered something, but they don't think beyond that. They're going through the motions. There are people that have lost zeal. Maybe you can think of someone like that. And I want to say something that's kind of bold. That is not the work of the Lord, to be comfortable, to be just going through the motions. And my encouragement is that we should never come to a place where all we see is what is in front of us. We need vision. We need God to breathe into us a picture of what could be tomorrow and beyond. Amen? Now, there's a lot of things we could say. We could talk the whole sermon on vision, of course, but we need to move on because I've got a vision to finish 1 Corinthians. Amen? (laughs) All right. All right, number two. The second thing that you have to have if you're going to do God's work, God's way, is you must be flexible. You need flexibility, a willingness to be able to change. In life, the future does not always turn out the way that you thought it might be. Isn't that the truth? God doesn't spell out our future for us either. He doesn't sit us down and say, this is what your next year is going to look like, or the next decade, or whatever time frame. He doesn't do that. It's a step-by-step, and we've got to be flexible in that. Remember back in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, we said that we see through a dim glass right we don't see everything perfectly and so on our journey as we are walking we can take a step one step at a time and god makes things clear But let's look at it first corinthians chapter 6 and se- uh, 16 verse 6 and 7 it says perhaps everyone say perhaps perhaps i will stay with you a while or even spend the winter so that you can come and help me on my journey wherever i go i do not want to see you now and only make a passing visit i hope to spend some time with you, if, everyone say if, if the Lord permits. Paul was an adventurer, wasn't he? He was out and about and serving God, but it was all up to God. Every step of the way in his life, his life, his ministry, his every day. For Paul, it was up to God. He was listening in, if the Lord were to permit. Now, we don't use that language, but I do like it when someone says, hey, I'll see you next week, Lord willing. How many of you guys heard that? Or maybe you said that yourself. Uh, You've got plans, you're making plans to do something. It's, Lord willing, I'll see you tomorrow. Or, Lord willing, this will happen. Lord willing, it's the same idea that it's all up to the Lord, and we've got to be flexible to change. Turn with me to Acts chapter 15. Interesting, Paul lived this out. In Acts 15, he's completing a missionary journey to Asia Minor. And in verse 36, he's making some plans. He has a vision for the future. Look what it says. It says, "'Sometime later, Paul, and Bar- Paul said to Barnabas, "'Let us go back and visit the brothers in all of the towns "'where we preach the word of God and see how they are doing.'" Paul had a desire. He loved where he preached. He loved where he had served and where he planted. He says, hey, let's go visit them again. So he's starting to lay out plans, a vision for that. And then a little later, uh, there's a disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. Timothy joins Paul and Silas. But by verse 6 of chapter 16, so the very next chapter, look what it says. It says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Um, Pyriga and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. The Holy Spirit actually limited them from preaching. Verse 7, When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Verse 8, So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Now I'm going to pause there for a second. The Holy Spirit kept them from ministering in some circumstances. They were going to go south and nope, they're not allowed. The Holy Spirit wouldn't allow them. They turned north. Nope, they couldn't go north. They came from the east and so they, the Holy Spirit was leading them to go west all the way to Troas. And now we read that and you think, okay, what's the big deal, right? But did you know that that was a 250 to 300-mile detour? This was a big deal. And Paul was not like, no, I'm not moving, I'm not going back. No, look at verses 9 and 10. Look what it says. During the night, Paul had a vision from the man of Macedonia, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, they got up ready at once to leave concluding that God had called them to preach the gospel to them. Paul was flexible in his ministry, and we are called to be flexible in ours. When God is doing, when we're doing God's work in God's way, we need to be open to have God change our plans. This is Missions Trip 101 material. Uh, For those of the 15 of us that are going to Knoxville, Tennessee, we already had our first meeting uh, this last week, and it's all about flexibility. You don't know what's around the corner. We are flexible. And you say, why is that important? It's because we want to live our lives on that missions trip according to God's priority. We believe God ultimately has a plan, and we want to be sensitive in that. But it's not just a missions trip. It's in our day-to-day life. We need to be sensitive. We may have a plan and a vision, but it can be tweaked at any time according to God's will, if the Lord permits. Does that make sense? And for Paul, it's like, what's up with a 300-mile detour? What was happening there? As you continue to read, God was enlarging Paul's heart. At that point, Paul's heart was on Asia Minor, where he had been and where he was wanting to get back and to visit, what was on God's heart was a whole new opportunity, an entire new missionary journey to Rome. And the reality is that in our lives, when God changes things, sometimes it seems like it's what a pain, but God is doing something, something big in our lives, bigger than we could ever imagine, but if we are not flexible, church, we will miss it. You've got to be flexible. Not my plans, but yours plans, oh God. So flexibility, it takes some vision. The other thing, number three, is that there needs to be a thoroughness in ministry. Ministry should not be superficial. It needs to go deep. It needs to go below the surface and get to the nitty-gritty, to the things uh, in each of our hearts. And we see that in verse 7. Paul says that back in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. He says something very interesting. He says, I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. What Paul is saying here is saying, look, I want to come and to invest. See, Paul knew they needed time to grow in their own ministry and in their own relationship with the Lord. They needed to be strengthened in their relationship with God. Paul understood that maturity in Christ was always the goal. That's the goal today for why we meet, to teach and to make disciples and to make an investment in each of our lives. But it takes time To do that. It takes a lot of time to make disciples. A commitment to excellence. A commitment to being thorough. Today in our culture, there's a huge concern for the church, the big C church. uh, I would say even in our church. There are so many people that are uh, afraid or they're not willing to be committed. They don't want to get their hands dirty. They'll let someone else serve instead of stepping up. And they're only willing to serve when it's convenient. And the truth is, is that discipleship is not convenient. When you decide to walk with someone and to help them grow, it takes time and it's, it can get messy. And at the Gateway Church, can I just be real with you? We have people serving once a month, every now and again in different areas. And the question I have is how can we develop a disciple every now and then? We can't. We need to be consistent. We need to be thorough. It's not God's work in God's way. There must be a thoroughness, a commitment. And this was Paul's heart. The goal in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, was that we were to be perfected in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4, where it says God has called some to be po- uh, prophets and teachers and pastors and evangelists, so on and so forth, uh, that's a, and then it goes on to say, to, to mature the saints, maturity is the goal, and 1 Thessalonians 3.10 talks about a completeness, and by the way, it takes time to do those things, it does not happen in an instant, it doesn't happen in one event, it's a day-by-day, week-by-week investment, and I'm understanding this more and more these days. Um, as I've grown, as I've uh, you know been in ministry, the longer that I am, that even in our my preaching style, as you've noticed for the last season, I've I've decided to preach more of an expository line by line, going through First Corinthians. You say, well, why do you do this? Well, I've realized that is that it is going to uh, take time to develop people to be systematic. And it's, going, it's not going to be pop theology or the latest fad or some emotional tear-jerking uh, uh, message that's going to change people's lives. It's the word of God week in and week out that's going to make the difference. Verse by verse, I believe, is going to make the difference in your life and in my life. And someday I will stand before the Lord and have to give an account for what we've done here at the Gateway Church. And I want to follow what what Paul encouraged Timothy and Timothy to preach the word. And so if you ever wonder why do we do this, it's because I believe God has called us to do just that. And I believe that it will help us to grow. And it takes a little longer, and I understand that, but I believe that it's healthy for us to grow in this way. How many believe me? Amen. I hope you're with me. So vision, flexibility, thoroughness. To do God's work, it also takes a commitment to present service. You have to be serving. We must be doers of the word. We don't just sit around and dream. We need to do it. and We need to do it now in the present so we will be prepared for the future. Look what it says there in verse 8 and 9. Verse 8 says, But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. Very interesting verse there. Paul, in his life, was constantly walking through open doors of opportunity. We see that specifically in Acts chapter 14, in 2 Corinthians, and in Colossians. You can write those down and read those later. Unfortunately, some people are so picky about which door, though, right? Not like Paul. That when an opportunity comes and knocks and here's an opportunity to serve, here's an opportunity to walk through, they're looking for the perfect situation. And oftentimes people will miss the will of God. They'll miss the window of opportunity. They'll miss it. And I've learned over the years that you will never know God's will for tomorrow until you walk through the open door today. I want to say that again. You'll never understand fully God's will for you tomorrow until you're walking through the open door today. If you're on your your bed, just laying back, uh, just dreaming about the future, not doing, not being involved, listen, there's a high probability that you're going to miss. Whatever you're doing today is a proving ground for what tomorrow is going to bring. In Acts chapter 13, I want to encourage you to write that down and read the story. But there's two people that were, that were selected to be leaders, Stephen and Philip, in, in that, within those, those verses. But what's interesting is how Stephen and Philip started their ministry. What were they doing? Does anybody know offhand? I didn't know this. They were serving tables. They were waiters. But they were full of the Holy Spirit. And they were full of wisdom. They were serving primarily behind the scenes. And God selected them to be leaders and to continue to move the gospel forward. I wonder how many of you are serving behind the scenes and God is just watching. And He's preparing you for something new, for something different, to launch you into something greater, something larger. See, whatever you're doing today is a proving ground for what comes tomorrow. And don't think that you're above the open door that's there today. See, sometimes it's just about showing up today and doing what God has called you to do today. And what happens and what I've seen is that God, He will give you more and more to do it's just that way in the kingdom of God. You prove yourself a little here, a little there. I was thinking about my story, going back to when I was called to ministry and I decided to do an internship in college and I thought uh, it was 50% youth ministry, 50% children's ministry. I thought, oh, I'm going to have all this opportunity to invest in youth and kids. And you know what they had me doing every week? Cleaning, toilets, and vacuuming. It was a huge church. In every week, the other, there's two interns my bro, who ended up being my brother-in-law. We weren't related then. We vacuumed every square inch of that place every week for two years straight. We were slaves. No, no, I'm just saying. When I got to Bethel, my first ministry position, which was right before I came here, I've only had Bethel and then here, in Dayton, Ohio, I thought, oh, I'm going to be a children's pastor. All I'm going to work with is Kids. And so I, I thought, oh, this is going to be great, and I found myself polishing gym floors and painting and doing funerals and leading worship, the, Pastor Bobby, you're going to think it's funny, with my guitar for the, uh, how, I almost said something I would regret, hold on, for the, uh, <laughs> now I'm really <laughs> struggling, the older adults class, <laughs> the, elderly. the elderly class, thank you, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it was pathetic. But what was interesting, it was the open door, right? Someone needed to do it. And I had the guitar. Someone had heard me play and thought I was better than someone else, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> but what was amazing about it is that it was an open door that I walked through, and it provided opportunity for leading worship with kids that was cutting edge in the state of Ohio and even as a nation from the national level with the Assemblies of God and I created relationships out of those open doors walking through some of those things just this week. This is why I'm bringing all this up. Just this week, I get a call from David Boyd from the national office uh, in the Children's Ministry Department and we're strategizing about something that we can do, talking with Pete and Deb and we'll see what comes of it. But there were open doors that gave bigger opportunities and when you're faithful, In the small. Now, the point is, sometimes we need to just show up and be a blessing, whatever that means, to get ready to set something up or to clean up after. And you do it for God. You don't do it for a jewel in your crown, although that's going to happen, but you just do it. In this service, we got two great examples last week. Uh, I, Jeff, uh, Jeff and Ginger, stand up real quick. I, I, I didn't. Uh, come on, if you stand up, please, just real quick. Just give them a little wave. These two, I know they were acknowledged last week. I wasn't here to say thank you. But they, and I didn't even sign your card. I hope they gave you a card. Did they? All right, good. Yeah. Um, but worked a couple weeks ago for our baptism service. in the baptismal flooded twice, or it started leaking at two different times. There was water everywhere, and they worked hours and hours to, to get things ready behind the scenes, and no one would know it unless we said something. Also, Larry Scott, you got to stand up this week. Come, on. Yes, sir. Come on. Stand up, my friend. Yeah, this is Larry Scott. He's serving on the board, and he's uh, doing all kinds of things. Him and his son, Ethan, give us a little wave, Ethan. They're working on lights this week in the back hall and figuring things out. And uh, I, I'm just smiling in my spirit saying, Man, they're doing it behind the scenes. No one else will know. Yeah, I got an email from, from Larry. He says, just so you know, I sprayed for bugs inside and out, and because we had been having little spiders and different things, and and I was like, oh, we better spray. So I sent him a little listen, Larry working behind the scenes, doing a great work. And I believe that those are open doors at times where God can bless. He can breathe on our lives and give us the next thing beyond that. God's work and God's way. You've got to be thorough. You've got to have endurance. You've got to be flexible, and you must have a commitment to be serving in the present tense, right here, right now. The next thing is endurance, a willingness to endure opposition. And this one can be tough. Let's look at it, verses 8 and 9. You read this, and you think of, you know, Paul's life, and actually, yeah, but I will stay with you on, in uh, if in Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door of effective work has opened to me and there are many who oppose me why did he put that in there there are many who oppose him what was that well the reality even though Ephesus was thriving and doing a great work it was not easy for Paul to be there see the devil's tool on many occasions is discouragement isn't it And when you decide to do God's work, the devil will will almost always oppose it at some level, making you feel like you're unappreciated, asking yourself, why am I doing this? Nobody cares. Your eyes turn inward. Uh, There may be opposers or antagonists. Did you know that the devil goes to church? He shows up when we're serving. And in Paul's life, he was beaten in Iconium. He was left for dead at the town gate in Lystra. He was beaten in Philippi, uh, but he never let it stop him. Even at Ephesus, he had a rough road. It was tough. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, just a, a page over from where you are. See, sometimes the easiest thing would have been just to leave, and I think that would have been the case for Paul to get out of town you say, well, was it really that hard? People were being saved. Churches were being planted. There was revival, wasn't there? All those things are true. It was wonderful, right? Look what it says. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. That's where Ephesus was. We were under great pressure, far, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired even of life. What is that saying? Paul thought it was going to take his life, him serving there. That's how much opposition there was. And it ended up taking his life later on, uh, serving the Lord. But listen, when you decide to show up and work in ministry, when you walk through open doors, it will be difficult at some level challenges are inevitable i ran across a great quote by a great preacher great pastor and bible commentator g campbell said this he says if you find a place to minister that does not have any problems they don't need you (laughs) it's the truth think about it they don't need you opposition is inevitable number six we got to keep moving team teamwork a team spirit, working with others. When you do God's work, there are no lone rangers. You can't say, ah, I'll just do it on my own. No. Paul was not a lone ranger. He was not a superstar apostle in his own mind. Paul had no personal agenda. He loved others. He had confidence in others. Let's look at it in verse 10. In, uh, in our text this morning, it says, If Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he's with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. No one then should refuse to accept him, send him on his way in peace so that he may return to me. I am expecting him along with the brothers. Do you say, what is this talking about? See, Timothy was timid. He was intimidated. Uh, he felt inadequate. We we know that when we read Timothy. Timothy was not like Paul, but Paul believed in Timothy. Verse 10 says, so don't mistreat Timothy. Don't treat him any different. Paul saw something in Timothy, and he saw Timothy as an equal. And that's the way Paul lived his life. You read through the Gospels, you three, or through the New Testament, uh, through all of his letters, and uh, even through the book of Acts, and it was never Paul on his own. It was Paul and Silas, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Luke, Paul and Articus, Paul and Mark, Paul and Timothy, so on and so forth. He always was with a team. And if you think you can do it on your own, you are crazy. You cannot do it on your own. Last week I was in Florida. I was sitting in bed, and we didn't go to church on Sunday morning. Uh, my family, they go to church on Saturday night. Uh, pretty cool. But uh, So I'm sitting in bed, 8.30. I'm praying for you guys for about an hour before I got out of bed. And I was dozing in and out. Don't, I mean, I wasn't that spiritual. Um, but I was thinking about you guys. But I was thinking about the team. That is, And you guys are a part of that. And when you choose to serve here at the Gateway Church, that team mentality has high value. You're a part of a great team. I want you to know that. Number seven, we've got to uh, keep on moving here. If you're going to do God's work in God's way, not only is there teamwork, but there's also needs to be a willingness to accept the spirit of God's leading in other people. This is a tough one. Let me try to explain. The fact is, We don't all do things the same. There are different people that do different things in different ways, and we don't need to be the type of people that just criticize when something's different. Now, if something's off doctrinally, that's one thing. But when it comes to style or delivery or how polished something is, come on. We need to encourage one another. This morning, I love it. Pete's back here. Um, Big Pete. Where's Pete? Is he... yeah, there he is. Yeah, yeah. He's back here on the cajon. It's different, right? But I love it. God, it's different, but it's awesome. And it's not about Pete, it's not about the team, it's not about any of them, and it's not about you or it's all about the Lord and for him to get glory, right? But we need to allow the Holy Spirit to work in others. And Paul was not a, in competition. He wasn't a bossy type of apostle saying, hey, this is the way it is. You gotta do this. Look at verse 12. Very interesting insight here. He says, now about our brother Apollos. I strongly urge him to go with you. Or, or, or let's see, I strongly urged him to go to you with the brothers. He was quite unwilling to go now, but he will go when he has the opportunity what happened here? Apollos said no to the Apostle Paul. And you think about that and you're like, whoa, all right? Now remember, there was some division within the church, not so much in Paul's mind, but some were saying, oh, I follow Paul. Some say I follow Peter. Uh, Some say I follow Apollos. Remember, he was a great gifted speaker. And Apollos now, Paul doesn't say to him, look, I set you up. Remember how it all started? Now you're going to tell me no. Or, or, you know, who has uh, seen the resurrected Jesus? You haven't. You should be listening to me, right? Or your sermons may be good, but nobody's reading your letters, right? Paul wasn't saying any of those things. Paul did not steamroll Apollos. Apollos loved God, and it was okay that the Holy Spirit was speaking to Apollos in a different direction. Apollos wasn't a bad guy. I really like what John MacArthur said on this topic. He said, you cannot ever cram people into God's work. If you ever feel like we're twisting your arm, cry mercy and we will stop, I promise. <laughs> we do not intend to twist anybody's arm to get them involved in work. He says, you've got to wait until the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, works in their heart. Paul was a man who had authority, who had ideas, who had strategy, who had plans, who had, and but he also had patience for God's Spirit to work in, in other team members. I love that. And that's why it's so important for somebody who works in a ministry to have a sense of team and to realize that God's Spirit works, God's Spirit works not just through you in calling all the shots, but in everybody's heart. How many know that that is absolutely true? And you've got to be sensitive to what God is saying. Don't dictate. Don't dominate. Just let the Spirit of God generate and be patient. See, we're all doing the work for the Lord. And if you do it a little different or you do it here or there, we've got to be okay with that. I believe that God can speak to you just like He can speak to me. And when He does, we've got to be okay with that. I want to kind of wrap this up with back to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. It says, let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. We talked about this a few weeks back. That means to literally overdo it in the Greek. To exert yourself to exhaustion. And why would someone do that for the work of the Lord? Why would Paul say that? Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always work so hard until you're exhausted. Why? Because you know that your labor is not in vain because it matters. It will make a difference. The minute you get to heaven, you will not regret a moment of service here on this side of eternity. That's the truth. But I know this is not very popular teaching to say, hey, are you overdoing it? Are you giving yourself fully to the work of the Lord? Because the reality is in our American culture, we say, hey, don't overdo it, right? Or if it's not convenient, oh, I'm not going to serve or I'm not going to step up. And that's, we see that here, we see that all over. It's not a popular thing. But Paul would say to us, if Paul could speak, the only thing that matters is giving yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Don't save yourself, don't retire he would say, but Paul, I believe this morning would say, be full of vision, be flexible, be thorough, have endurance, serve continually, endure opposition, have a team attitude, and trust the Holy Spirit's leading in other people. And my question is, is do you have that type of heart? It challenges me. I pray to God that the Lord will help us, that he will speak to us in these areas. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for all your blessings. Lord, I thank you that we are here together to hear from your word. And Lord, it's not my words that are important, it's you speaking through me, and I pray that even in these next few moments, Lord, that you would capture our hearts for your glory and for your honor we pray it in jesus name amen i want all your eyes on me for a moment today across the lakeshore there are about 20 to 25 churches that are highlighting adoption and foster care for muskegon and ottawa county um, in our area that we live and we're doing that uh, together, and we wanted to be a part of that. And what I, th- and the way that it worked out, is as I was preparing, I'm saying this is a potential open door for people right at the Gateway Church. Now there, we want to highlight it. We want to bring some awareness, and we're going to do that in just a second uh, through video. At the end of the video, there is a, um, a an announcement that April twenty fifth next Saturday. Um, from 10 o'clock, to, two o'clock or to 12 o'clock, there is an informational uh, time where you can learn more how to take the next step. If there's an open door, what do you do? You take one step at a time, and that's what next weekend is all about. It's called Kids Belong. And I want you to check this out, and also in your bulletin, I want you to take out the little picture of the person that the Lord has put in your life to pray for. And we're going to talk about this at the end. So have this in your hand. Let's watch the video, and we'll be right back. I really like what Kids Belong is doing. I had the opportunity just a couple weeks ago to sit down with some people from the state of Michigan um, that are uh, working with faith-based organizations to help with the cause of these orphans. And uh, as I was sitting there, they had a little stack, just a small little stack of individual uh, people, uh, young people that are on the mare, M-A-R-E, I'm not sure what that stands for, dot .org. Um, and it, they have pictures, and then on the backside, it has a little description of what that individual is like. And what I want to encourage you to do is to consider this as an open door in some of your lives. I think all of us can take this and we can pray for the, for the child that's in our, in our bulletin today. And there are churches all over the lakeshore that are getting these cards. And I believe that as we begin to pray for Michael, for example, that our hearts will begin to grow, continue to grow. But next week, if the Lord is tugging on your heart in any way, I want to challenge you to be at the Kids Belong event, whoop, it's not up there, on uh, April 25th from 10 till noon, and uh, just give two hours to see how you could make a difference, and I want to encourage you. Now back to the, the message, and I know we'll wrap up here just momentarily. We're talking about open doors here, and there are open doors all over the place in our lives that the Lord would want us to walk through. It could be the adoption and foster care event going next weekend. It could be serving on the worship team. I know that there are auditions, and this is a season uh, where you can get in on the ground level with, with what Pastor Bobby has a vision to see for our church. And this is the time for you to step up and to serve. No more excuses. Okay? Pete needs volunteers with the youth continually. I mean, they're, they're growing. I went a couple weeks ago to youth group, and it is rocking. It is exciting. It is fun. But it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy awesome. But they, we need help. And uh, they're great leaders already, um, but some of those leaders are leaving. Josh, don't leave us. Just kidding. Um, and Josh is going to be only with us a couple more weeks. And uh, Deb and Cindy, Cindy, you need volunteers continually in our kids' ministry. And maybe you are serving, but I want to challenge you to serve more than once a month, to call one of us up and say, hey, you know, I could do that. I could go to a service and then work a service or flip-flop. In hospitality, ushering, greeting, across the board, there are areas that we can serve, open doors that we all can walk through. And don't think that you're exempt saying, ah, someone else will do it. Listen, when the Holy Spirit puts it on your heart, walk through that door. Get involved. Serve. I also want to challenge you. How are you planning? What are you planning to do? Where's your vision? What do you see ahead? Where where is your part of the puzzle? And then what are you doing now? Your proving ground, your testing ground. God deserves our best. I want to. You to close your eyes and bow your heads this morning. I know it's not really a salvation-type message, but I want to give you opportunity to respond. Maybe the Lord is is dealing with you, and and you need to come to the Lord. You need to surrender your heart to Jesus. Maybe you've been uh, sowing your wild oats. Maybe you've been out living life however you want, and you're saying, okay, I'm drawing a line in the sand. Today I want to serve the Lord, give my full Give of my full work to the Lord. If that's you today and you're saying, man, I need Jesus in my heart, would you just lift up your hand? I want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Yeah. All right. Who else this morning? Say, yep, I need that relationship with the Lord to be renewed, or maybe it's for the first time. Anyone else? There's one young lady that responded. Anyone else? Saying, yes, that's where I am today. I want to pray with her. Just keep your eyes closed. And and I want you just to repeat this prayer after me. I believe it's a miracle prayer. It's not the words of the prayer, but it's believing the words of this prayer that will save us. So, would you repeat after me, everyone that's here? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, please come into my life. Take away my sin and make me whole. Make me clean. I believe in you. I believe that you died on the cross. And that you rose again. Save me. And I will serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If I can have your eyes on me just one more moment. I just want to, with our eyes open and just acknowledging together, I'm just going to ask something that's somewhat personal, but not too personal. And I want you to be honest. When you think and you sit through a service like this, and you think about the open doors that may be in front of you, are you willing to do what God calls you to do? That's where the rubber really meets the road, doesn't it? When you think about the work of the Lord, and I want to just challenge you this morning, wherever you are on your journey, I believe that God has something very specific, very special for each and every one of us. And so I'm going to just ask you this morning if you're willing to serve the Lord, to give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, I'm going to ask that you, as we close in prayer, that you would stand just saying, Look, I'm going to do this with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, to the best of my ability, knowing it may be hard but I'm going to be thorough. I'm going to have a vision, all those things. If that's your heart, I want you to stand as I close in prayer. Lord, we just give you these moments in our lives that you're shaping us, you're challenging us to grow, to be, to be used by you. Lord, we believe that you have a plan beyond our wildest imagination. Lord, you have called us and you equip us And Lord, I believe that if there have been people on the sideline, Lord, that they would jump in the game. They would take a step through an open door. Lord, challenge us. Help us to be sensitive to where you are leading us and where you're calling us. And we pray this for your glory in our lives, for your sake, for your name to be great. And Lord, I pray that as we leave, Lord, that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us, and all God's people said, Amen. 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 Well, praise the Lord.